Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. How are you this morning, Dr. Paul? Are you well rested? I am, yeah. I, 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 I heard a rumor. <laughs> I heard a rumor that you are so infatuated with elections and how important they are that you watched them last night. You wanted to see what would happen. And I have to confess, I watched too, yeah. a little bit, but then I got tired. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I can't say that there was a, you know, if you're gonna have elections and you have to tolerate some of the inf 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 infractions, you know, do they really count the votes? Yeah. And are the parties really any different? Overall, you know, um, I thought there were some positive things there. It made, made me feel a little bit better thinking that maybe what we talk about was reflected in that vote in the yeah. sense that yeah. we're, we reject so much of the policies going on that Republicans and Democrats have endorsed that uh, the people, I, you know what I was thinking about in a very selfish manner because, you know, I keep saying the people, if you want to know what the people are thinking, go watch the football game. Yeah. And it looks yeah. like a few people who went to those football games and didn't wear their mask uh, were voting. Yeah, 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 and chanting. <laughs> Well, you know, Dr. Paul, uh, I'm, as you know, I'm a, I'm a non-voter. I'm, I'm not into the whole thing. I probably would have voted in Virginia had I still been there. <laughs> and it's not because I'm big on the GOP. I, I'm not a member of the party. But I, just because I wanted to see people punished who had tortured this country for the past almost two years. Yeah. So it really wasn't about I'm all upbeat that we're going to have a new team and they're going to be really great. No, it was I want to see the bad guys punished. And it looks like they may be punished now. Yeah, I, I imagine um, Nancy Pelosi probably had a restless night last night. Well, and she may have had a couple of tipples, so she may. <laughs> Maybe she did react. <laughs> but, you know, there's been rumors. I don't think it's been settled yet on whether she's going to run next week, uh, next year, yeah. uh, for another two years so that she can be a kingpin. But uh, if it turns out that it's obvious that she might not be the speaker next year, yeah. she may be just pondering that and she may be making an announcement not too distant. After she gets these very important spending bills passed uh, with the Republican help, then they'll probably, uh, uh, you, you know, she'll, she may then at the time say, well, maybe I've had enough of this, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But there were yeah. some positive things individually on the votes that were good. I, I think in general, um, for, for me, wokeism was challenged. Yeah. When they had a chance, Big when there was time. a clear-cut vote on it, that uh, the people were tired of it all. And I think that's very encouraging because uh, just think of uh, the promoters of wokeism. It's a powerful outfit, even though I always... Uh, thought that the majority of the people, if they knew anything about it, they wouldn't be in support of this, and evidently that's the case. But that means you have to take on the media, the college professors, the establishment, the Fauci's of the world, and that it's very hard to overcome that. But it looks to me, you know, there was some votes in Virginia that I thought were interesting. Of course, the, the governor's race was important. Yeah. But uh, I, I think there was a vote on uh, a critical uh, race, race theory. Theory, yeah. and also on mandates for vaccines. Yeah. And the people, didn't, they don't want it. They don't need it. And uh, and that's pretty good after all the scaremongering and all the money spent and intimidation and firing people and threatening people, all with the goal of, uh, you know, getting the passport, the vaccine yeah. passport. You know, they didn't talk about that, but I would say 
where we are today, we're a lot better off than we were the day before yesterday on the promotion of the passport. And uh, I, I think that it, it's losing steam, people are waking up, and it's not American to have internal or external passports the way they've been passing and make it a universal world passport that everybody in the world will be <coughs> tied into this, uh, this whole organization where they can tell you, take a passport and tell where you were 10 minutes ago. That's, yeah. that's what they would like to do. Well, I think one of the things that this election did is it exposed the wokists as a shrieking micro-minority. You know, right. a very, very small group of very, very loud people. And finally, when the masses have had enough of it, they stand up and say, no, we're not, we're not going to go for this. And maybe that's too optimistic. But um, let's start out with a little joke, and I saw this this morning. Uh, let's put up that first clip because I, just, I, th I think we need to have a laugh, too. This is Ron DeSantis speaking this morning in Palm Beach County. He said, a recession is when your neighbor loses his job. A depression is when you lose yours. A recovery is when Fauci loses his. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, but back to the um, Virginia race, and it is about, it was very clear <laughs> it was about things like the vax mandate. It was about critical race. It was about control of schools. And let's look at this next clip, because this is a debate that happened between McAuliffe and Youngkin. McAuliffe and Youngkin battle over COVID-19 vaccine mandates. This is from September in Virginia governor's debate. Uh, they battled over it and we know which side McAuliffe came down on. Let's look at that next clip. Here's McAuliffe. Terry McAuliffe calls for vaccine mandate to quote, make life <laughs> difficult, end quote, for the unvaccinated. That was back in August 23. Well, the unvaccinated and a lot of the vaccinated had the final say, they said, no, Terry. And just saying, he wants to do that, but the unvaccinated might be the safest people in the country. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. might be the healthiest, they might be the one least likely to spread the disease, and uh, they'd, they'd be closer to following traditional science yeah. than uh, that other stuff. But I did have a phone call, I didn't tell you about this, with a very special call last yeah, night. Yeah. I couldn't believe it after it was all this uh, decision making was uh, because I got a call from the president. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got a call from Bob Biden. And I said, Mr. President, I'm surprised you're awake. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is, I want to make sure the audience knows I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think the president called me. And, yeah, he may uh, I don't, I don't want to pretend. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he said, uh, what, what would your advice be? He was very nervous. He <laughs> says, what, 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 what should I do? And I said, the only thing I can tell you is what you shouldn't do. And I said, don't resign. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't resign, but fire Fauci. Fire Fauci, that's right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very interesting because you look at the winners and losers. Obvious, they're the obvious ones. You know, Yonkin, who came out of nowhere, wealthy guy, uh, ran in an interesting way. He, t he walked a fine line between supporting Trump and not overly embracing Trump. And I think that probably helped him. Uh, the, uh, the issue of schools was huge because you remember Terry McAuliffe said out and out, parents should have no say what is taught in the classrooms. <laughs> you want to talk about dividing the electorate, the moderates from the Democratic Party. And I think Youngkin jumped on that. And that, again, was the issue of teaching critical race theory in the schools, <laughs> which he claimed there was no such thing. And, of course, it had been, and it was very active. We talked about a lot about Loudoun County schools. And I think what happened, and this is the one thing we can be encouraged about, Dr. Paul, there was a silent and not so silent revolution 
among parents who went to school board meetings and said, what are you teaching our kids? What is going on here? Look at this book. This is pornography. This is not education. That, I think, was the silent, semi-silent group in Virginia that had finally had enough. And if you look at the numbers, it, were the, it was the independent voters that really, uh, even, even more than in previous votes in Virginia, uh, statewide votes, really went over to Yonkin, really abandoned McAuliffe. I think what happened was they really misjudged the, the, the people. I don't think these are new ideas. I think they've been around, they've been promoting it, and but they're pretty quiet. The people that I knew there that were uh, very devout socialists, uh, yeah. they weren't they weren't noisy like the uh, like the, the socialists that are in Congress now. They're very noisy and more honest. Yeah. And this is a little bit of honesty that broke through. And I think they misjudged it, misjudged the timing, thinking the people were with didn't understand the, the people like football better than some other things, and and they just really blew it. And I think, but you know, it won't take long. Let's say next year uh, is a good year for the Republicans and they take over the House and the Senate. It seems to me that there hasn't been that many years when we had the presidency and we had the Senate and the House. And I thought, wow, you know, we're, we're going to come around and do some sensible things. But nothing happened. And within a, within a few years, the Republicans lost their shirt. You know, it was it, it just didn't last. So uh, the optimism has to be, I think, and you've already uh, alluded to it, it, it's more philosophic. The people are sick and tired of this stuff. And uh, it was the issues they counted. I saw a program this morning. The Democrats were saying, oh, well, it, uh, it, ha it had a lot to do with uh, just personalities and all. They would not admit they were the subject of the, the parents' probably got fed up with it and they started balancing it uh and and the democrats are dumbfounded that uh, women uh in the suburbs would vote for republicans just because they want to have an input into their children's education yeah. what kind of people are they yeah you know? what do they think they are so this is uh I think this was very, very healthy, and this was a vote on some serious issues that uh, we talk about, and I like people to think about them, and they, they voted on it, and I think, uh, uh, at least uh, generally speaking, the issues of less government uh, won out, and the criticism of some of this wokeism stuff uh, is very justified, and there's a lot of people who endorse uh, these these views. So I would say that um, that there's some good things that happen, but I would also, like you did at the very beginning, warn people, <laughs> warn people, don't don't get overconfident about this because you know the 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 country is still interventionist. Yeah. I mean, uh, they oh, I, one program today said. They, the reason why this was different, uh, it was social issues and nothing to do with the con economy. Mm. And I, I think they're blinding themselves and they're deceiving themselves because there's a lot to do. That's what lockdown was all about. And uh, that's what masking was all about. And, uh, and that's what deficits are all about. Uh, they might, they say, well, if it's not the economy, why should anybody ever care about deficits? You, you know, it's uh, it's just so huge. It's nobody can even comprehend them, and they're going to continue. Uh, so, and they're right now talking about not printing the money as fast as they've been in the past. But uh, look out for some fireworks. Yeah, and the other argument against it being just a matter of personality 
is the fact that the so-called red tide or red wave went very deep into Virginia. First of all, you have Winsome Sears. This is a woman who is a, uh, whose parents uh, came from Jamaica. Yeah. Apparently the father came with a buck 75 in his pocket, came to the U.S. for the American dream. She was in the U.S. Marine Corps. She went on to be a successful businesswoman. She ran a woman's shelter. She raised three kids. And now she is the lieutenant governor. Uh, the attorney general also flipped to Republican. And Republicans flipped six seats in the House of Delegates, regaining control of the House of Delegates. So this wave went deep into Virginia politics. It wasn't just McAuliffe versus Yonkin. That's right. And I, I think it certainly deserves, uh, you know, discussion and emphasis and encouragement because they have to sort it, the politics out from the important issues because they were working on important issues. Uh, you know, what, what's the government doing to my kids? You know, and, and what's the philosophy in this whole thing? I think it, if I had to pick the one social issue that was probably the biggest deal in the election and still is a big issue, and that's the school system. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, you know, it's just outrageous what these kids have been exposed to. Yeah. And uh, it, it, and they're not, the, the opposition's not going to quit. They're going to rationalize. They have to rationalize them to themselves. They're not capable. They're totally incapable of sitting back and saying, you know, Maybe I should reassess some of my views on this, yeah. on us uh, uh, believing that we we are to take care of the children and become the the parents. We're part. We're the village, and we have to run a good village and raise our kids to be upright citizens. And uh, they they believe that stuff. So that's not going to be uh, the only thing that is real. Is the fact the this things that you just pointed out? The reality is they're going to lose some power, yeah, and, uh, and that's going to uh, be very important. I one thing that didn't come up, but it's always there, is uh, you, you know the lying that goes on, the lions campaign and all, and uh, you, you know uh, the Republicans have been on the receiving end of a lot of lies ever since the last election, and of course uh, you can be canceled by inferring that. There may have been some lies told by the FBI and the Justice Department, yeah, yeah. and uh, and since those lies are commonplace with government, but made much worse these last six eight years, that uh, hopefully people wake up and see that. But that's the tough one. I mean, we're at a point now where we're not even allowed to discuss science and yeah. talk about what is real science and non not science. That if you if you say that natural immunity, that's not scientific. Right. Out of here. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, <laughs> you know. Uh, so let's hope that the momentum will carry through and sort some of this stuff out. Well, you, you mentioned the fact that they can't really sit back and say, well, maybe I should change my views. They're incapable of self-reflection. And our friend Jeff Dice uh, tweeted out this morning. And the reason, for, the reason for that is that their entire lives are defined by politics. Politics is everything. It's, you know, down to the, down to the wire, everything for them. And so they can't admit that their ideas were defeated. It's all political. Um, the other thing we talk about big losers, I'd say Pelosi's probably the biggest loser in this, but I would say Phil Murphy from New Jersey, who now it's, it's neck and neck. He's got a couple thousand votes ahead last time I checked, and who knows what the New Jersey political machine might do. But the fact of the matter is, even if Murphy wins, he loses. This was not supposed to be a close race. You know, he was, he was supposed to cleanly win, not by a landslide, but he was supposed to do very well. And he's the king of the lockdowners. He was, he's up there with the worst of the worst in lockdowns and mandates and masks. 
And the fact that the race was so close in very blue jersey tells you a lot about where the people are. So even if he wins, he's a big loser. You know, I want to follow up on this idea of, of truth because, um, you know, truth for the politician, and I, Jeff was alluding to this, is very relative. You know, truth is what, what they say it is. And it's just not, not pragmatism for them to gain power. They actually have a philosophy that says that, you, that, that it, society, the human race, is incapable yeah. of knowing what, what truth is. And uh, therefore, they don't even, the, the thought of uh, reconciling or feeling badly about uh, doing policies that uh, people end up dying and, and all this, that doesn't even enter their mind because, uh, and, and they don't worry about the issue of truth because it, truth is undefinable. You don't know what truth is and uh, it's relative to what the people have on power. So the most important thing is power and then we will reveal the truth to the people and take care of the people and that has to be repealed, that yeah. attitude. Well, that's the Straussians and they're at your Plenty of them in both parties. The noble lie. You can tell the oh noble boy. lie. Well, other things are happening that we should talk about. It's tempting to just talk about this all day. But the next one is related to it. It happened in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you know, where they, they had the killing of, of, of uh, last year and they had defund the police and Black Lives Matter and riots and the things burning down. So the idea was having people vote on whether they should get rid of all the police and turn them all into social workers. And that didn't do that well, did it, Dr. Paul? No, but it went down, and you know, I, I was kidding with you a minute ago about, you know, the, the police are the police, and most people believe, you know, under reasonably normal circumstances, uh, they want to bring about safe conditions for their kids. I mean, I remember I, in the town that I lived in, we had one policeman. I mean, I was, I was, he had one car, one policeman. He had one gun with one bullet. Forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the... Uh, the, the, the whole thing is, is, I mean, he, he was, he truly, the policeman was our friend. You know, we, he was there, he was the school monitor, who, uh, you know, as you crossed one street by the school. And that, that was it. Later on, the police force, the city uh, didn't expand tremendously, but the police force did, and, and, uh, did expand. But uh, I think they very much provided some safety and security for us. But now they want to change the name to Department of Public Safety. And uh, of course, that's a little bit annoying more to me than just calling a police department because uh, I don't like the, oh, the, the big concept of saying one of the major responsibilities of government is to make us safe. Make us safe that uh, we, we can't get into any trouble. There will be no economic problems if you get sick. Uh, whatever it is, the responsibility is on the government uh, to take care of us. But if safety is ruled superior to liberty, uh, then, then we get into trouble. And besides, if you, if you do that, if you emphasize liberty over safety, you really, you really don't have to be less safe. Matter of yeah. fact, I mean, there's, there's still many opportunities of, about keeping, uh, in, in a free society, keeping pe people safe. Matter of fact, a lot of people believe that's far superior than uh, d depending on, uh, well, there's somebody 
breaking down my door, I better call policemen. Yeah. You know, and uh, especially in the inner cities, I mean, that's uh, so chaotic that uh, I think there needs to be uh, the responsibility of uh, individuals being uh, provider of, of the of the safety. But this is what this is. This changing the tune. This is anti-police, anti-police, anti-law enforcement, and uh, and and, uh, and a lot of social activity. That's what I think is going on there. Yeah. But it went down. It went <laughs> That's down. the important thing. <laughs> and lest our libertarian friends fear that we jumped onto the thin blue line, this I think is a separate issue from from police problems, which we talk about a lot. Yeah, you know, we police sure brutality, the drug war. This is a separate issue. As I think, as you just pointed out, this is more of a social a social issue uh, than an actual issue of, of police brutality and police problems. Uh, they're trying to conflate the two, but the defund the police is not a libertarian movement <laughs> right. by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> what seems so insane is the worse the conditions uh, are in a city, you know, uh, as all the social reforms causing uh, causing all, all the breaking down of the windows and and the, and you're not supposed to punish anybody, you're not supposed to arrest anybody, and you could be out in the street in an hour. Uh, it, it's that system. So it, it's a time when if you have a system that you want to work a little bit better, you don't fire the people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you fire them, and of, of course, all the conditions get worse. And if you look at the big cities, I mean, I think that if I'm not mistaken, I think the statistics sh uh, still show that people are leaving wonderful cities used to be cities like San Francisco yeah. they're tired of it all yeah. and it's because they don't understand this particular issue yeah well we want to talk a little bit now about uh, a whistleblower and you know not all whistleblowers are alike right? right if you're a whistleblower and you go before Congress and say golly gee Facebook isn't censoring enough then you're heralded as a brave a whistleblower even if your PR team is connected to uh, the, the the Democrats and the the push to to uh, to destroy speech. This is a different kind of whistleblower, so you're probably not going to read a lot about uh, Brooke Jackson, who blew the whistle on Pfizer's very very flawed uh, trials of its drug. It, it sort of makes you sick when you think about it. How far they went. I guess if they were getting away with it, and truth is relative, it, if you don't get caught, and we're still doing, we're still taking care of the people, it doesn't matter. So once again, there's uh, no conscious problem. They're not, their conscious doesn't bother them. But uh, had major flaws. A whistleblower. Uh, and, and, uh, and this is reported, and, but uh, there was ramifications from it. He got fired. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Got, he got fired. So it's a matter of, once again, a challenge with the First Amendment. And, and that, unfortunately, the, the, we've talked a lot about the problems that may be lessened. I think the principle of, uh, of uh, freedom of speech is uh, that we have a ways to go on that. There's a lot of manipulation of speech. And uh, and that's that why that's why this whole thing on on wokeism has to we have to continue with that because uh, this this whole whole thing about uh, you can't even get into a gentlemanly discussion with another person about what what does science mean and uh, also what if, what if two doctors disagreed on uh, on natural immunity you know. 
but, but it's serious ramifications if you take the position that, uh, well, there's pretty good evidence that there is such a thing as nat uh, natural immunity. <laughs> and that, uh, that if, of course, is uh, something that uh, we have to, uh, have to be, be aware of. And uh, ho hopefully um, people will look at this as an outrage. This is an outrage. This, uh, this uh, gentleman got fired because uh, he, he told the truth about what Pfizer's going. Just think how of course, we've talked about it. Others are starting to talk about, you know, the outrage on the money these these drug companies. As libertarians, we never narrow it down besides, oh, there's a successful company, and they provide a wonderful service, and they became a billionaire. Yeah, then if, if the market does it, that's one thing. But this is not the market. Yeah. When you become a partner with the government, uh, that is not the market. So it's uh, it's un unfair accumulation of, of wealth. And what do they do? Do with people who want to point this out you're gone buddy you're yeah. gone yeah well let's put up that next clip because this whistleblower uh, all of the the complaints that she had were actually published in the british medical journal let's put up this next clip and you can see it for yourself the bmj british medical journal covid19 researcher blows the whistle on data in integrity issues in pfizer's vaccine trial uh there are so many different problems that uh the Brooke outlined um, problems with, uh, with uh, uh, the data manipulation, the poor lab management, et cetera, et cetera. But as you point out, Dr. Paul, the, um, the fact is that they have immunity from, uh, from any damages that their product caused. So why would they even care? It doesn't matter. And let's look at the next one because this is what you just said. I guess I was reading your mind. This is our friend Jordan Schachtel. Uh He posts this. Pfizer increases revenue forecast to $82 billion, almost half of which comes from the COVID shots. So who cares? Yeah, they fixed it. They, they messed up. They fixed their trials. They faked it. It's all phony. It doesn't matter because, as Jordan says, keeping the margins high by experimenting on kids, which is what You, you know, this whole thing about immunity, that is such an nice right. It is literally a license to steal and lie. You know, and and they get get away with it, and it's the one of the most important principles in a free market on how some of these things are handled when you don't have fourteen thousand regulators protecting us against you know unfair competition, this sort of thing. So, uh, but but giving that immunity, the voters, people should understand as soon as you hear. That, the, that drug companies or whatever will get immunity from any injury, you know there's something very suspicious uh, and, and they lack responsibility. And then they, they can afford to take a little bit more. Oh, if we get this done in three weeks instead of four weeks, we'll make $1 billion more. Yeah. You know, and and it's, it's that calculation that they make. But if they say, you know, uh, if we hurry this and we ignore some warnings and we don't fire our whistleblowers, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe we would have less complications when people start using these drugs. And right now, I'd like to suggest that that kind of advice would be appropriate for people who are so anxious to give all kids immun immunity. So 
So there were a few victories in the, in the schools, but uh, I would hope that, uh, that uh, they, they would back off uh, from, from this massive inoculation of kids. I, that's how really, it doesn't mean they, you know, that there's gonna be some kids that they might, they might well be. qualify, but, but it, right now it's, uh, it's a menace to think about how much, the other thing about that, you talk about immunity from liability. What about this idea that they bought all this vaccine weeks, weeks before, before the FDA decided it was safe, yeah. you know? It was a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> right. But isn't it ironic that people who make the shots get immunity, the people who take the shots don't get immunity, right? That's right. But, uh, let's, let's move on to our final segment because this is also dealing with the medical industrial complex. And here we go back to our old friend Thomas Massey. Let's put up this next clip because this is about the CDC's stealth changing the definition of what a vaccine is. And here's Thomas Massey put this out. Check out the CDC's evolving definition of vaccination. They've been busy at the Ministry of Truth. And so pre-2015, a vaccine was injection of a killed or weakened infectious organism in order to prevent the disease. From 2015 to 2021, it was the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease. All of a sudden, out of the blue, they changed it in September of this year. It's now, quote, the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to, to produce protection from a specific disease. Not No longer immunity, no longer prevention, but protection. They did this under the radar, but somebody clever did a FOIA request and they found out that behind the scenes it wasn't just an innocent little updating of the science something else was going yeah, on. yeah that, that's for sure and you read the key the key statement on these things actually it's one word that they deal with uh, they change immunity which which sounds like it's a little bit more scientific and precise and uh, that you, you can be uh, objective about it. it to the idea of protection well protection becomes more vague uh, and uh, it's it's more unscientific but that's what they want it was protection well how do you get protected well if you uh, if you have had your inoculations uh, and uh, it went two weeks and then you have a heart attack, oh, it's not related. It's not related because uh, you you know we don't we we don't record complications in the first couple of weeks after you get your full inoculation. So uh, th this whole thing is well, we'll we'll give you your if you need three shots. Uh, if if, uh, uh, if a person has three shots and they say, well if you if you if you don't have the third shot if you only have two shots then you're not protected you're you're just like you were never inoculated yeah. no you're Dirty probably you're probably worse off you yeah. probably were at greater risk yeah yeah well it's interesting that this whole move though was not driven by science it was driven by <laughs> politics and we have the quote receipts as the young people say right let's put up this next clip this is an email an internal email from the CDC that came out from this FOIA request. Tell me this is not politics. Quote, right-wing COVID-19 pandemic deniers <laughs> are using your vaccine definition to argue that the mRNA vaccines are not vaccines. And they go on to talk about what the existing definition of vaccine, and of course that was right. And so instead of changing it, not calling it a vaccine, they changed what a vaccine is. Let's go th quickly through some of these internal emails from the FDA. Uh, this is from Alicia Downs. Um, she said, 
Hi, Valerie. I need to update this page, Immunization Basics, since these definitions are outdated and being used by some to say COVID-19 vaccines are not vaccines per the CDC's own definition. Can you take a look and let me know? Go to the next one. She didn't hear back from a while. I know you're busy. I appreciate your help. The definition of vaccine we posted is problematic and people are using it to claim the COVID-19 vaccine is not a vaccine based on our definition. And do the last one, I think there's one more. And then it says, if this is for the general public, meaning the change in definition, I'm good with that change. And uh, I think, yes, that's it. So basically they're not doing anything on science. This is only the politics of the fact that people are saying, this doesn't do what vaccines are supposed to do. You can't call it that. So telling the truth, it's problematic. It's problematic. That's the word. Isn't <laughs> you it? know, stay, don't don't tell the truth if you want to keep your job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you if you don't want to keep your medical job, don't say, well, there's some evidence that shows that not everybody should be forced to take a vaccine. That uh, it's uncertain exactly what it might do. But uh, this this just hope the, this momentum. Uh, continues, which we witnessed yesterday. Yeah. You know, there's some momentum there. There's some resistance building, and I think that's good. I, that, that tells me that we still uh, we have a lot of people who are you, you know just sort of uh, follow without thinking about it. But we have a lot of room for people speaking out. And you mentioned the most important thing that might have been the message of this whole campaign: that if you're unhappy with your schools. Go to the school board, you know, and let people know. And uh, even if even if there's two or three, it's important. But what if you have ten and the nine nine of them are very reluctant? I, I I'm too nervous to do this. Yeah. I can't do. It. But one person raises their hand and they go and speak, and they can t- change the world. Yeah. You know, because all of a sudden somebody is saying what a lot of other people. So if 10 people have turned up, uh, maybe there's 100 and sometimes 100 people show up. And sometimes there's a momentum. And I think the momentum is in the right direction. So uh, we will we will continue to encourage uh, people to look at all these issues. At the same time, we want people to know that uh, that uh, there there's room for the criticism and that uh uh, that there's a responsibility for all of us to do whatever we can to change people's minds with, without needing to resort to these principles that there is no such thing as truth and, yeah. and you, there's no such things as science and, and all this gobbledygook. Yeah. So. Well, I'm just going to close by thanking our viewers again for watching the show. Uh, I feel v- uh, cautiously optimistic. It feels like this two-year nightmare of COVID tyranny might have turned the corner uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. It's, it's, it hasn't been easy, certainly, these last two years. But I do think we have a little bit of traction. I think so. That means for us, it's not time to back off. It's not time to wipe our brow and say, whew, you know, that two years was a bummer, but now we're back. Uh, no, we're not back. There's a lot of work to do if you want to earn our liberty back, if you want to fight for our liberty back. So let's keep it up, but let's also be encouraged by what probably is a good day for liberty, not because of the people who were elected, but because of what the people who elected them had to say by their votes. You know, so sorting all this out is important. And right now, most people are agreeing 
that there's not a big big issue that there's less cases and less less uh, uh, deaths from it and at, at the same same time that might have probably well did occur because of some natural curves you know natural immunity and developing and people becoming uh, more more immune but the other side will say oh they're wrong they're still we need to punish them because they're mis that's mad bad information and we have to punish them because the real reason is is because we have worked so hard at getting the people vaccinated yeah. and yet uh, you know there's a, which is the one the study I think is in Israel that's been cited it, yeah. there's no evidence for that yeah. you know so, and uh, so it's hard to change people's mind so I uh, I think uh, certainly today uh, I think it's safe to say that Daniel and I feel a little bit better than we did yesterday because the people have spoken out and the people who are speaking out aren't don't necessarily belong to the political faction and they're doing it only for political power. They might be wanting to get rid of some of the political power that they disagree with, and there's nothing wrong with that because, uh, in general, we would like to reduce the political power of just about every political organization because we want people to make up, uh, make their own decisions, and health is uh, one of the issues that the people should be dealing with. And I've, I've uh, lamented the fact that uh, over the years, uh, much, much more so in the last couple of years, is that the doctor relationship has been destroyed just think if we didn't have uh, dr. Fauci to tell us what we had to do or we would be punished uh, what, what if the, uh, the the responsibility would have fallen on the individual to talk to his or her doctor and uh, and find out different sources and not only it wouldn't be limited to one doctor that you go to and get all your advice. There would there would be organizations that would provide uh, you know honest answers. At least there'd be some competition with it. At least you would have heard about natural immunity. So that's why liberty is an answer to so many of our problems. It doesn't take care of everything. But let me tell you, bureaucracy and authoritarianism and socialism uh, doesn't work. The proof is there. The 20th century. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible century for the killing and the uh, and, and the abuse of the people. That uh, we shouldn't be looking at Marxism and, and communism and socialism, but we shouldn't be so dependent on a modified form, what is called interventionism, where it's just a power struggle by the special interests to get control and do the same thing with a smiling face and say, oh, we will take care of you, and yet still have the power and turn it over to a bunch of uh, very, very uh, wealthy business people and have the co cooperation of big business and big government because that type of uh, corporatism is dangerous because so often it leads to a fascist system and that is something that we should always guard against. And the substitute for it is the promotion of liberty. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.